the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. It's six minutes after six. It's Friday. Boy, I love Friday. And today's a good Friday because for me, it's a Friday and it's payday. Got to love that kind of stuff. The only thing that keeps us from being a super Friday, no three-day weekend. But that's okay. I'll have a good two-day weekend because I got paid. So I'm looking forward to that. Uh, You know, there's good days and there's bad days. There's good news and there's bad news. Let me tell you what it's like to get bad news. Here's a story from Fox News this morning. Get us underway here and get our minds going a little bit. Rules are rules. A Colorado man who played the lottery uh, back in springtime and won managed to lose all of his potential winnings after he failed to turn in his ticket on time. That's right. He didn't turn. Peter Bailey won uh, uh, $1,500 uh, $1, after his lucky numbers were picked during the state Powerball Melody. I think that's supposed to be $1.5 million during the state's Powerball Lottery. And while Bailey didn't win millions upon millions, he hoped that his winnings would allow him to travel with his wife. With the lottery office briefly closed due to the pandemic, Bailey said he felt uncomfortable sending it through certified mail, so he decided to wait to turn in his golden ticket. Uh, Fox 31 in Denver reported that he missed the deadline by three days. Said Bailey, it's totally on me. It was my mistake. I thought the extension of three days would be something they could live with. According to the uh, station, winning tickets in Colorado must be turned in within Six months, a 30-day coronavirus-related extension to claim winnings was put in place for people in the state who bought a ticket between April 6th and April 30th. Colorado Lottery spokesperson Megan Doherty said strict lottery rules are mandated by the state and an exception couldn't be made for Bailey after he turned in his ticket past the deadline. She said that it's really important we keep to the rules. Otherwise, everybody would want to potentially change the rules. Bailey's loss was a a win for certain organizations and agencies within the state who received proceeds as well as unclaimed winnings from the state lottery, uh, reported by uh, the channel there in Denver. 
still, he advised that anyone lucky enough to pick winning numbers should cash that money as soon as possible. Go ahead, call, email, make an appointment, and get that money in your hands as soon as possible so you don't end up like this, he said. Unbelievable. That is absolutely <laughs> devastating. I would be so mad. <laughs> yeah, no it's kidding. Like, this is my lucky chance, and I blew it. <laughs> yeah, you lose $1.5 million. That's wow. a lot of money. You know, uh, this, uh, you know, coming up is uh, Tuesday, which is the election. And yep. so if y'all got any uh, uh, absentee ballots and you're not quite sure if it's going to reach uh, the mail on time, you know, call up your clerk's office and ask, hey, can I drop it off? Or, yeah, uh, you know, and so you don't you don't want your vote to not count as they're tallying up all the ballots. You don't want to be late like that lottery guy. Yep. you got to have your uh, your ballot must be stamped no later than Tuesday. Yes. If it's if it's got uh, if it says November 4th, they don't count it. Nope. Sorry. Don't don't. You know, you just wasted your time sitting down and filling it out. So, yeah. And you've had your ballot for a while now, so why haven't you filled it out? True. Get it taken care of. But I just thought that was an interesting story this morning. You know, for all of us who think that our day may be uh, been a bad one. Uh-uh. Not that's that. A, yeah, that that's guy. A, that's he's a had bad worse. Day. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's a, a bad, bad day. day. <laughs> that is a, definitely a bad day. So anyway, that's, uh, that's where we're at. Uh, uh, where we're at. Here's a, this is something that always happens with a government program. It always happens, never, ever fails. Whenever a government program is instituted to get money out to people in, who need it, let's just be honest, a lot of people need some of this money, like the coronavirus funds that had to go out there. Story coming out uh, today that in a report released on Wednesday, Small Business Association Inspector General Hannibal Mike Ward said that more than, yeah, you're going to freak out when I give you this number, $78 billion in aid approved for businesses under the agency's Economic Injury Disaster Loan Program. We talked about that here on this show. Looks like it may have gone toward potentially fraudulent or ineligible businesses. The report found $58 billion dispersed in multiple loans to businesses that used the same IP addresses, email addresses, bank accounts, or the same physical addresses. About $13.4 billion went to accounts that uh, differed from those listed on the original loan applications and roughly $1.1 billion went to potentially ineligible businesses. The fraud stemmed from the agency's rush to deliver and to pandemic-stricken businesses. Uh, to speed up the process, the SBA lowered the guardrails, Ward wrote, which significantly increased the risks of uh, program uh, fraud. Goes on to say, within days, the agency has received an unprecedented number of loan applications off the top. March 31st, it received 680,000 applications, the highest number ever received in one day. By April 10th, the agency had more than 
4.5 million applications to sort through. In order to speed up the process, SBA employees were given an average of 15 minutes per application to make their decision. Under the program, businesses could receive forgivable loans of up to $10,000. The agency distributed some $211 billion in loans over the course of the virus-induced crisis. But SBA administration, uh, uh, Administrator Jovita Carranza rejected the report, say, uh, saying in a letter that it is grossly overstating the risk of fraud, waste, and abuse, and indicated it did not fully and accurately portray SBA's highly successful delivery of an unprecedented volume of disaster uh, assistance. Well, let's figure it was just half that amount, okay? Let's just let's just say it was 50% that amount. How much would it have been? It would have been a lot, and I do mean a lot. And my phone's jumping around, so I'm getting back to the beginning here. It's saying that, um, you know, $78 billion. So let's just say it was, um, what, uh, uh, $30, $39 billion dollars. That's with a B. It's not with an M. That's with a B. I think uh, you would agree with me that uh, that's not a good thing. All right. A couple of stories on the negative side. I promise to come back with something on the, on the positive side here on the Dave Ellswick Show. Quarter after six on a Friday morning. Let's get a break in here at 1011 FM, The Answer. Now, you're going to have to watch for this. I don't have a definite date for this. But the uh, original live-action Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles movie is uh, set to emerge from the sewers and, again, to uh, liven up and entertain a lot of uh, theater-goers as they celebrate the movie's 30th anniversary. Uh, And they're going to have a special three-day engagement in Sidman's courtesy of Phantom Events. And uh, Phantom, if you're not familiar, uh, specializes in bringing independent movie classics to the big screen. In this case, they're giving you basically exactly what you need at this time. Just a lot of mindless, you know, mindless uh, entertainment. So, uh, you know, it's all coming back for you to watch back on the big screen again. So... uh, Leonardo, Donatello, Michelangelo, and Raphael are going to be back in, uh, for your entertainment. It was released in 1990. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles introduces audience to the beloved quartet of humanoid turtles who have been trained by their mentor and giant humanoid rat, uh, Splinter, and, uh, you know, ninja-style combat. Uh, they emerge from their hiding place. The turtles must learn to work together to face the menace of Shredder and the uh, Foot Clan to save their city. I know I took my kids to see this uh, back when it first came out. And oh, they you did? Absolutely, oh, they loved it. Oh, they loved it. I enjoyed it, to be honest with you. I really did. Do you remember who played the uh, the voice of some of the Ninja Turtles? You know, not in the live action version. I'm more familiar with the cartoon that was back in the 90s. But uh, who were the voice actors? Well, the most the most famous was Donatello, and that was Corey Feldman. Oh yeah, that's right. Oh, that's cool. 
All right, so he was he was in it. Uh, Kevin Clash did uh, Splinter. Uh, the movie also features Judith Hogg as April O'Neill and Elias Castellas as the vigilante Casey Jones. So um, featuring stunning designs by the legendary Jim Henson's Creature Shop, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles manages to strike a balance between being family-friendly while, um, you know, simultaneously leaning into the darker tones of the comic book source material by Kevin Eastman and Pete Laird. They're the people who were behind it from the very beginning. Right. Judging by the huge fan response to the recent Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 30th anniversary virtual pizza party, audiences clearly still have an appetite for the pizza-eating mutant reptiles. So <laughs> that's coming your way, uh, everybody. I don't have a definite date. Uh, if I get a definite date, I'll, I'll let you know. Yeah, that'll that, be a fun that, time. Yeah, see, now that's good news. Yeah. I promise everybody I'd have some good news for them. I got some even better news if you're a movie buff because this is, uh, you know, there's important stuff that we're, we're watching because of the COVID-19 a lot of movies we thought were going to come out this year haven't come out this year. But Warner Brothers is uh, remaining committed to putting Wonder Woman 1984 in theaters this Christmas. Woo-hoo! They're saying this is going to happen. Uh, Cinema Hall shut down uh, the world over due to the uh, COVID-19 um, There are a lot of theaters that are opening. Of course, Matt Smith and uh, his, uh, you know, uh, uh, super theaters that he's got down in uh, in Hot Springs and got uh, here in Little Rock and in Cabot and up in up in Searcy, up in Batesville. They've been open since March. He's been doing business for many, many months right now. Um, CEO Ann Safnoff recently spoke during a QA and a as part of uh, Variety's Power of Women Conversations virtual event, uh, where she reaffirmed the studio's commitment to releasing Wonder Woman 1984 in December of this year. Now, it's not the first time Warner has taken a gamble on a theatrical release uh, for a big budget movie here in the middle of. They did it uh, with Tenet just now. That's right. They mm-hmm. did. That's that's. What they talk about here in this story, Christopher Nolan's Tenet was also released in theaters the world over earlier this year by the studio. While Tenet underperformed in the U.S., it was uh, really healthy numbers at the international box office, a development that uh, Sarnoff noted she is very pleased with. She went on to say Christopher has huge followings, of course, in the U.S., but his other movies have always over-indexed overseas. And if you remember back in June, July, August, the international markets were open. Then the United States, uh, so we had this amazing movie that really deserved to be on the big screen. So here we are. We're getting close to $350 million in box office, which is really good in a pandemic, and over $50 million in the United States. So Directed and co-written by Patty Jenkins, Wonder Woman 1984 features Gail Gadot, Chris Pine, uh, Kristen Wiig, uh, Pedro Pascal, and Natasha Rothwell. The movie picks up the story of Princess Diana uh, decades after her entry into the man's world in the original Wonder Woman. 
Set in 84, the upcoming film sees Diana reunited with her long-lost love, Steve Trevor. We don't know how that happens, but evidently it happens, while battling the combined threat of Maxwell Lord and the Cheetah. While the plot of the film has been kept under wraps so far, various hints garnered from promotional materials for the movie have led fans to surmise that Lord comes into possession of a mystical artifact that grants people their deepest wish. With the help of the artifact, Diana's friend Barbara turns into her archenemy Cheetah, while Diana's wish is fulfilled by Stephen returning from the dead. There you go. Okay. Uh, and it remains to be seen how audiences like the superheroine's latest adventure when they eventually get to watch the movie. Wonder Woman 1984 arrives in theaters on December 25th. Okay, I'll make a, I'll make a, uh, a, a prediction here. It's going to be a huge hit. It's going to be a huge hit. Everybody's been waiting for this movie ever uh-huh. since the, the last one came out. The last movie was fun. It was great. There were some great, great scenes in it. Now, when she was running across no man's land in World War One, Gail Gadot as Wonder Woman using her her bracelets to deflect the bullets. That was a great scene. And then she got her shield up and was able to deflect all the bullets coming from a machine gun. And the machine gun, that was the brand new weapon of World War One, And it caused tens of thousands of deaths in no man's land. We had all these guys running across no man's land and uh, the Germans opening up with uh, machine guns. So anyway, uh, it's a great it, you know, it was a good movie. It was a great movie. In fact, I really, really enjoyed it, and I liked that they kept with the uh, uh, the the main theme song from Wonder Woman as well. So, that's just my two cents worth. I'll be a, I'll be there uh, opening weekend to go see it. Same. Um, enjoy it. I, I really like, and I like uh, Gail Gadot. She does all of her own stunts. Uh, she used to be, you know, a military member. Over in Israel, she did her service like every person in Israel has to do. And, uh, you know, that that brings a lot of credibility to a movie when you're doing the, you're doing your own uh, uh, stunts. It really does. It says a lot. That's why I like Tom Caruso, you know, as well. Yeah. He, he does most of his own stunts. I mean, he you know that did you see the Mission Impossible where he was supposedly outside that uh, the, the, the big tower in Dubai. I saw the behind the scenes of it where he was like, wasn't he like attached, like harnessed to the plane and it was like yes. actually flying in the air. That's amazing. Yeah, he did that. That's when he was flying up in the C-130. But I'm talking wow. about when he was hanging from the outside of that big skyscraper. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, he was, you know, and people say, well, you know, they got safety devices. Yeah. But you're still way up in the air. <laughs> and if something fails, yep. not a good good things are not going to happen if something fails. It's just mm-hmm. the way the way it is. All right, coming up at um, uh, six thirty-five, we're go- our our guest is going to join us. From what I understand, he's going to call in from Switzerland, uh, and it's a brand new website called Border Hawk, and uh, we'll tell you what that's all about. Uh, it, it has to do with, you know, watching the borders of the United States. So we'll see what he has to say, that he's calling us from Switzerland. You know, I'm going to tell him how lucky he is. It's one, one, of countries that I, one of the countries I really want to get over and see because, number one, I love Swiss chocolate. 
I love Swiss chocolate. Number two, to be surrounded by the Alps like that. It's got to be awesome. I mean, I've heard that as a country, it's beautiful. And uh, they do German food right, too. And I like German food. You like streusel and that type of stuff? Do you ever go up to uh, Eureka Springs and hit the German uh, restaurant up there? I've never been to Eureka Springs, and so that's on my bucket list. Yeah, you need to get up there because that's a, it's a lot of fun. Uh, it is also uh, got some really good restaurants up there, and I, I don't know the exact name of the German uh, restaurant right off the top of my head, but if you like German uh, food, uh, you'll like it because it is really, really good. Linda and I try to go to Eureka Springs once a year. I'm I'm big on, there's a couple of stores there. There's one that uh, sells just socks. So I like going there and getting <laughs> Cub socks and Bear socks and uh, Arkansas Hog socks and stuff like that. And then the other one is the, uh, the chili one that ser- sells everything hot. And they got some really good stuff that everybody would enjoy. All right, my break news is next here on the Dave Ellswick Show. All right, back on the Dave Ellswick Show, 25 minutes till 7 on a Friday. It's always a good day when it's uh, finishing up your week here on the air. And our guest today is going to talk to us from Switzerland. Where in Switzerland are you? Are you you on the side of an Alp mountain? Are you in Lake Geneva? Where are you? Well, I do keep my exact location a little bit private, but I am indeed in the mountains, uh, up in the mountains, and uh, the the lakes are not too far away if I need to get to them. All right. Are you doing, uh, are you skiing while you're there? Are you a big skier? I, I actually am not. I didn't grow up as a skier. I grew up as a hockey player for sure, but I uh, didn't do too much skiing growing up. But uh, I do hope to get up on the slopes a little bit this winter as I tend to get out a couple times a year. So that is the hope for sure. All right, so let me ask you. So you brought you brought up the term hockey. All right, uh, what was your favorite team as you were growing up? Oh wow, I wasn't much of a uh, professional follower, although I did play into my college years. But um, gosh, uh, I, I guess I liked the Avalanche. I was a big fan of the Patrick Waugh, um, the the era at that time. Peter Forsberg. It, it was a good time uh, for the Avalanche. So I did like watching them. All right. Well, I watched the Blackhawks. I grew up outside of Chicago. I'm a huge Hawk fan, and I think they got the greatest jersey ever devised in professional sports. What do you think? I think it is beautiful. I love it, and uh, and I was a big fan of uh, Jeremy uh, Roenick. He was fantastic yeah. and uh, very tough, hard-nosed players there on the Blackhawks at that time. Yeah, see, I go back a little further to Bobby Hall and and Stan Makita. You know, Stan Makita was the hockey player that they 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 dis- devised the helmet for because if you remember back in the day, the nets were, uh, you know, on poles that were frozen in the ice so they didn't move, and he ran into that. He got blocked into it, hit his head on it, split his head open, and uh, he started wearing a helmet, and... Uh, uh, the helmet was made mandatory just a couple of years later. So that was, uh, I guess, his his uh, claim to fame. And then Keith Magnuson and some of the other great, uh, you know, hockey players from uh, from Chicago. But we're not here to talk about hockey. I love hockey. Uh, a lot of people in the South, they're getting into hockey now. They're a little late to the party, but they're here. I mean, in Nashville and some of the other places that we get professional hockey teams now. Where, where did you go to college? Did you by any chance 
go to North Dakota, up to the University of North Dakota with the fighting, you know, the fighting Sioux or any of them, those folks? Oh, goodness. I was not, not at that level and not at that size. Those guys are on a whole different plane. I went to college uh, in the state of New York and uh, played at a small school there for a couple of years. But uh, the North Dakota guys would have been obviously the tops of the cream of the crop for, for college collegiate hockey players in the U.S. Yeah, it's amazing. I mean, I, I, I worked in Grand Forks for a few years, and it was amazing how many people showed up for a hockey game, a college hockey game up there. And uh, that was a big, a big, 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 big thing up at the UND. All right, with that in mind and uh, what was happening up there, you are involved in a topic that I find highly important to this country. And uh, here lately, it hasn't been on the forefront uh, in, uh, in, in politics. It was four years ago in 2016, uh, and that is illegal immigration and securing the border of the United States. And you have a, a, a website that's called Border Hawk. Is that correct? That's correct. It is Border Hawk. Border News is the URL. And basically, we aggregate news uh, from around the world, but with a heavy focus, of course, on North America and the U.S. Uh, on a daily basis, we are pulling together all of the stories that we find related to immigration news, and we put them all in one place on a single page, and we give you very clear, concise headlines. And uh, I'm sure many of your listeners are f- very familiar with the Drudge Report, that style of reporting where you're aggregating yes. news from a variety of sources and presenting it in a single place. And that affords our, our viewers, our, sorry, our visitors to come and they can get a quick snapshot of what is going on in the world that day as it pertains to immigration. Uh, if they only have time, let's say over morning coffee to read a few headlines, then at least they have that at their fingertips. And if they have more time, then they can delve into those stories and follow those links. And we link out to uh, everything from mainstream media to independent media to government reports to videos to the, the Twitter uh, you know, uh, pages of, of CBP chief and ICE and all that. And so uh, you can get a really good comprehensive look of what's going on that day in, in immigration. And we feature roughly about 70 stories at a time and we shuffle them out every day. And, you know, I was speaking with someone yesterday and I was telling them when we first launched this site, I was a little concerned, hoping that I could find enough uh, content every day to keep the site looking fresh. And to my uh, great surprise, there is so much content every day that I can barely keep up. And the site is basically refreshed on a daily basis with all new stories. So that's how much is really going on in, in the world of immigration, whether or not the mainstream media chooses to report on it. Yeah, it's, it's funny that we have you on today because I was just talking to a couple of my friends at FAIR in Washington, D.C. I was talking to Bob Dane and Dan Stein uh, at FAIR and uh, asking them about holding their feet to the fire. Are we looking at doing that next year? Because that's an, an important, important uh, uh, time because you get like uh, a couple hundred uh, news talk stations showing up and uh, get some of the big uh, people that you need to talk to to know exactly what's happening on the border and things of that nature and with illegal immigration because a lot of things happen away from the border now, don't they? 
Absolutely. And, and, you know, we always focus on the southern border, what's going on down there. And there is a lot going on there. The, the wall is hit its 400th mile and going. Um, but the, there is plenty going on on the northern border, going on in the interior, going on in the ocean, going on on other continents. There's a lot going on in Europe, of course, which we're also tracking. So, I mean, there is so much going on and, and there's so much focus uh, that is that is really centered on the southern border. But there's so much to to cover. And uh, and that's really opened my eyes doing this project has has been seeing things like uh, Brazilians getting arrested on the northern border, or uh, we recently had someone literally drive into somebody's yard in Vermont across the northern border to, to do a border crossing. And uh, in addition to that, there is a lot of uh, a deportation in enforcement action going on right now. There are targeted raids and sweeps going on in places like Minnesota and in Texas. And uh, so every day there's something going on. And, and you know, I think uh, most folks would agree that they don't really see much of that in the media because uh, that that all all of that activity is getting tamped down and, and silenced, essentially, and censored. Well, you know, we talk so much about the southern border where when and I found this out because I worked up in North you know, up in North Dakota in Grand Forks. And I was one hour away from the border with Canada and just a little bit south of Winnipeg. And it was amazing uh, how many people were working in that area that I was at in, in, uh, in North Dakota that were from Canada. And, you know, you'd be talking to them and, and they'd say something like, well, you know, don't tell anybody, but I don't have a card. You know, and I'm I'm just saying, wait a second. You know, we it shouldn't be like a sieve. You know, where people just you know coming across the border with no problems. We think of Canadians as our friend, and they are. However, there's people from all over uh, the world that are making their way uh, through a lot of that that unsecured border that we've got uh, to the north. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, uh, with with uh, the way that things have played out currently with COVID. And the way that the borders have been in many ways secured for the U.S. in terms of international travel, um, that all of those all of our borders need to be locked down. Our, our arrival airports, the northern border, like you said, and in many cases, we're seeing a lot of attempts where um, uh, illegals and smugglers are trying to reach the U.S. and U.S. territories by sea now. There are increasing amount of busts out off the uh, the California uh, seacoast there down near San Diego. We have recently a, a boatload of migrants arrived in Puerto Rico and stormed the beach there. So, I mean, there is so much going on now that the southern border has been uh, a bit more a bit hardened compared to what it was last year and a couple of years ago. Uh, it's getting harder for them to come through there. So they're finding other ways to do it, like you mentioned. Okay, so Border Hawk uh, keeps people up on all of this. We got a break that we got to take, Dan. Dan's talking to us from over in Switzerland, by the way. Is is this where you live, uh, Dan? Or it you is, yeah. Visiting, correct? Okay, you you live in Switzerland. So when I come over, you got an extra bedroom. I do actually, and I will be happy to <laughs> offer it to you. <laughs> yeah. I bet. Anyway, that's okay. You just buy me a couple pounds of. Swiss chocolate, and I'll be a happy camper. Okay, let's take a break. We're going to come back, and we're going to talk more about this whole deal with illegal uh, immigration. It's important, and we can talk just immigration. You know, one of the biggest hot spots for COVID-19 right now is in El Paso, and I want to get uh, Dan's uh, idea about uh, if he thinks because uh, they're along the south border, uh, people coming up through Mexico and um, Central America probably not being checked for COVID-19. How many, you know, 
people that are ill are making it across our borders. We'll talk about it when we continue. It's the Dave Ellswick Show. It's a Friday. It's good to have you with us. Right now up in Cabot, it's 38 degrees. It's a little bit chilly this morning here in uh, uh, central Arkansas. So we'll take a jacket with you today as you go to work. All right, 10 minutes till 7, and right now we're looking at uh, Little Rock at 40, Conway at 40 degrees. They're the hot spots, by the way, but I I wouldn't spread a blanket out today thinking you can get any rays. That's not going to happen. Hot Springs is at 37, and right now where I'm at in Cabot, because I'm doing the show from my house today, 36 degrees. 36 degrees. Sunny skies all day today. Chances of rain are less than 2%. That's good as uh, Zeta has finally gotten out of our area. And uh, the the rain totals uh, were over an inch where I'm at uh, for the last day and a half. So I'm glad that that's over with. I can do without rain. Halloween night looking good. It's going to be chilly uh, for the kids. And... uh, you know, it's going to be clear skies, and you can't ask for much more for Halloween than to have temperatures in the mid-30s and, and clear skies and dry conditions. So you come by my house uh, out in Cabot, I've got a bunch of candy ready to hand out. So uh, no COVID-19 worries uh, at the Ellswick Estate, just to let you know. And I'll be, I give away the big candy bars. Just if you know where I live... Know that you can get a regular candy bar when you come to me. I don't give that little stuff. I give the big stuff. All right, let's talk about uh, what's going on in uh, immigration uh, news. Dan's with us from over in Switzerland. No, you didn't hear that wrong, uh, right or wrong. You, it, he's in Switzerland. That's where he lives. So he's got a, he's got a brand-new website called Border Hawk. And uh, what's the exact address for this, Dan? Is there any kind of fee to join up with it, to use it? I mean, how do people get involved with it? Totally free. Just come to borderhawk.news and you can read the site at your leisure. It's a very simple site. We keep it easy for the for the viewers, the readers, and uh, you can just basically get all your info on one page and decide what stories you want to read from there. And we're also on Twitter and our handle is Border Hawk News and we share all of our work there as well. All right, I'll add you to the Twitter account so that it pops up for me uh, when you guys post anything. So let's talk about some serious issues uh, dealing with the border. And I'm just going to talk about southern border right now with you. Uh, And that has to do with uh, COVID-19. They just had a major outbreak going on and have shut down El Paso for two weeks. Uh, Of course, El Paso is right on the border. Uh, The border is uh, pretty open around that area. People that are coming from the south, South America, Mexico, those areas do not have the uh, medical care that we have here in the United States. They're not checked for disease. I mean, we already know we've had an influx of uh, tuberculosis from down south. Uh, What's your thoughts on this? Are are we doing enough to uh, try to catch the people that may be infected? No, I think it's actually worse than that. Uh, Not only are we not doing enough, but it does look like we are actually bringing people over 
from right at the border, uh, some whistleblowers uh, have said that we actually go across the border with ambulances and bring them back into the U.S. I can't confirm that. I can only relay that information. And then I can also share uh, the fact that the Border Patrol is erecting extra rescue beacons along the southern frontier because of the amount of 911 calls that they get. Now, a lot of uh, a lot of migrants will come across the border and become illegal aliens at that point, and they will either use the 911 service just simply to get basically a ride into the U.S. Uh, under the guise of being in distress, or they will come over indeed in, in medical distress or find themselves dehydrated, or maybe they're suffering from COVID-19 infection, and they will call 911, and we will provide them with medical aid, of course, as that is uh, one of Border Patrol's uh, top missions is first and safe, uh safety for anyone that they encounter that needs medical attention. They deal with that first. And of course, that bill gets passed on uh, 99 times out of 100 to the American taxpayer. So I think it's worse than us not just keeping them out. It's us actually helping them uh, come across in many ways or retrieving them right at the border and bringing them into our medical facilities, which then in turn... Uh, jeopardize American citizens who may need to access those facilities or at this point, as you mentioned, El Paso is basically under a state of de facto martial law. There's a curfew there now, and that is all uh, under the impetus of a, a, cover, a COVID surge there that uh, in many ways could be attributed to non-citizens. Yeah, it's pretty, it's it's serious. It's really serious. In the last presidential debate, they spent about three minutes on uh, immigration and uh, biden made the statement about why they did catch and release and how they uh, the obama administration gave a you know a, a time that these people were supposed to show up at the judges and all of that stuff to to get their their uh, their meetings and he made now he made one erroneous statement that i couldn't believe the media didn't jump all over i mean he like said 90 percent of those people show up in front of judges that is a flat out lie right correct we know that virtually none of them do and uh trump did say only the lowest iq would show up and you know in, in many ways as as that sounds like a harsh statement to some people that's actually truth. probably the case yeah exactly i mean who in their right mind would do that when they can just blend in in the interior along with uh, 11 to who knows how many tens of millions of illegals already in the u.s yeah, absolutely. Well, this is a problem that's not happening just in the United States. Uh, your website talks about Europe as well. Bring us up to date. What's going on in in Europe? Their problem is not so much, uh, of course, south of the border like ours. Their problem is coming from over in Muslim countries, and they have Muslim areas within their cities that are no-go zones and all kinds of crazy stuff. That's correct. You know, I think a lot of people would, would say uh, that Americans can look to Europe to see what the future looks like. And in some ways, that's correct. In some ways, the U.S. maybe is in worse shape. But in other ways, the Europe, Europe has uh, problems all of their own, very distinct problems. And uh, those problems reared their ugly head again yesterday in France when there was a jihad attack in Nice. A elderly woman was beheaded inside of a Catholic church. There's also evidence that another uh, man was beheaded in the church, but there were three people killed in total. And it has emerged now that the uh, alleged attacker who was yelling uh, Allahu Akbar throughout the attack and even after being medically sedated on the scene after he was shot, 
Uh, he came over recently from Tunisia in one of the boats that the smugglers run to the islands, the southern islands of Europe, this one being specifically, they say he came through Lampedusa. And once they hit these islands down there in the Mediterranean, then uh, basically they've hit European soil. And from there, they generally get funneled onto the continent uh, through a variety of different means, both legal and illegal. And uh, so this guy apparently came in through Italy and made his way recently into France and carried out this attack. And that was the uh, that was the story that really, of course, was the most shocking yesterday. But in addition to that, uh, in the span of about 48 hours, there were a series of jihad attacks on French uh, citizens, uh, not just in France, but uh, within hours of that attack in Nice, there was also another attack, a jihadist uh, brandishing a weapon, trying to attack civilians in Avignon, and the police there shot him dead. That was also in France. And at the same time, nearly, the French consulate in Saudi Arabia was attacked by a man who stabbed a guard there outside. And also the uh, embassy, the French embassy in Cyprus was attacked by jihadists. And simultaneously with all of this, uh, is Turkish Islamists, uh, of which there are many uh, millions in Europe at this point, um, thousands in France certainly, were flooding the streets of Vienne, France, uh, on the hunt for Armenians. And they were openly declaring that, waving uh, Turkish flags and out in the streets, hundreds if not thousands marching, looking to fight with Armenians. And that's in connection with the current ongoing conflict in Armenia at the moment. And of course, that, that conflict runs uh, many, many years in the past. So. That's just one example out of France that all can be traced to immigration just in the past 48 to 72 hours. All right, Dan, we're out of time. Sorry to tell you that. If you'll do this for me and hold, I'd like to talk to you uh, for a few minutes after I get off the air here at the top of the hour and uh, get some ways of contacting you. We'll have you back on the show. It's the Dave Ellswick Show, Robert Steinbach, Chris Corbett, and our guests will join us here when we come back from the news at the top of the hour. Six minutes after seven, the Dave Ellswick Show continues for a Friday. And on Fridays, it's always time for Robert Steinbach and Chris Corbett. Uh, Robert Steinbach is a law professor over at the uh, Bowen School of Law. His opinions are his and his alone, not necessarily those of the School of Law or of the university. Chris Corbett is a practicing attorney here in Arkansas. Uh, his specialty is in engineering, but he does all types of law. So if you uh, wanted to use him, uh, he'd be more than happy to uh, apply his talents in your case. Uh, Guys, did you enjoy listening to our guest from Switzerland in the last half hour? It was fantastic. 
Yeah, good information uh, for everybody. I did, and I'm, I'm just going to tell you, if you watched American News, uh, they did do the story about Nice and about the woman who had her head, uh, you know, removed uh, there at a Catholic church. Uh, he said that evidently another man had his head cut off at that Catholic church, and then he stabbed another, this uh, person stabbed another person out on the streets before he was stopped and uh, was taken finally into custody after they they got him uh, uh, tranquilized or whatever. Not exactly sure what they what they did to him, but they, they, they kept him alive, and they can debrief him, but they know where he came from already and uh, how he traveled uh, to get to France. Now, uh, people might not be uh, aware that this all occurred because a, a grade school teacher showed those pictures uh, from a few years back to her classroom about the Prophet Muhammad. And now all hell has broke loose uh, in France and over in Saudi Arabia around the French embassies and stuff. Uh, this is not... Uh, these people are, are, are out there and they're ready to strike at a moment's notice if necessary. It's a nightmare, Dave. We have... Uh, all sorts of dangers across this world, and we need to be vigilant uh, in protecting against them. And the point that your previous guest uh, raises, and by the way, the head of the Border Patrol raised in his tweet that was taken down by the leftist Twitter, uh, was simply that no country is safe if it can't, as an initial matter, secure its own borders. Is this really a controversial point? Twitter says, oh, it's some form of hate speech. You see what the, what the head of Border Patrol said was, we're keeping people whose first act is breaking American law by crossing into America, not at a permissible point, without permission. Uh, we're keeping them out through the very controversial wall. I say that mockingly because how is a wall controversial? It's a barrier. And somehow that is, according to Twitter, some sort of hate speech. If Twitter isn't shilling for the Democrats, I don't know what they're doing. And I do know what they're doing. It's shilling for the Democrats. Well, yeah. I mean, did you watch any of that uh, give and take between Cruz and Dorsey from Wednesday? Unbelievable. Brilliant. He's, he's, you know, talking to him is like talking not to the barista at a coffee shop, but the guy that hangs out front of the coffee shop who just, you know, he's not necessarily begging for money. He's just sort of that guy who is always there, and he's the Cliff Clavin of the, of the 2000s, right? He's got an opinion on, any, on everything and substance on nothing. Well, you see, we told uh, the New York Post that they could get back on Twitter if they took down their uh, post and then republished it because we changed our rules. So it's really up to them. Wait, wait, wait. Let me see if I follow this. You messed up. You had initially blocked the New York Post from uh, tweeting out their very own accurate story that, by the way, none of the other mainstream media is willing to cover. They that you ran headlong into a speeding train of stupidity, and so you changed your policy. And you said thereafter, oh, I guess New York Post can post a legitimate news story. But you said they have to take it down and repost it because at the time that they posted it, it was not consistent with our policy. 
You changed your policy. Go let in their tweet. Why do they have to fix your stupidity? Why? Because as uh, Senator from Texas points out, you, uh, Twitter wants the post to bow down to the false god, the false prophet that is Twitter. Instead of Twitter fixing all of their mistakes, they fixed half of their mistakes. They are a danger to society the way they are cultivating news for the masses. I don't disagree with it. It's not news. I, I firmly feel that it's propaganda. It is. You know, I think it's propaganda, definitely. All right, so uh, let's talk a little bit about tech and, uh, and big tech. Let's talk about Twitter. Let's talk about Facebook. Let's talk about Google. They were the three there. Uh, I, I, I thought they might take a hit on their stocks, and they did not. Their stocks went up even after Wednesday. Uh, you know, I looked at Dorsey. I don't see these guys changing. I think they got to somehow be reined in. And I'm one of the biggest free speech advocates around. But when you're out there denying free speech, then something's got to be done to rein you in. What What do you say to that, Robert? Let's let me get Robert in on this, Chris, to start off with, because Robert and I have talked about free speech for years. Mm hmm. Look, Dave, you and, frankly, your audience knows quite well my views, and that is that free speech is, is a simple concept. That is that we allow people to share their views whether or not you like them. Because the alternative is the novel 1984, which really was, by design, a reflection of communism, a reflection of the Soviet Union, which there was only a certain amount of permitted speech. And the left has remarkably, shockingly adopted that policy now, which is, well, you see, you can't say that, you see, because that's not speech. That's, that's offensive behavior. Oh, you mean the thing that I said? Yeah, yeah, that's not speech. But I said it. Isn't that the definition of speech? Well, no, you see, we got a new definition of speech. We call it hate speech, and that's not speech. Uh, then why is one of the two words in it speech? Well, well, don't, don't bog us down with logic and, and reality. Hate speech is not speech. Up is not up. Down is not down. We will tell you what reality is. That's yeah. what we're dealing with, Dave. It's absurd. Yeah, they, they, you know, you, you get involved with the left, and sooner or later you will be playing semantics. Now, you know, in 1984 they called that news speak is what they called it. And let me bring Chris in on this uh, discussion as well, Chris. Uh, I mean, I understand that we all have to be careful when we start talking about uh, uh, going after people because of uh, what they're posting or whatever, but... Twitter and Facebook and all the rest of them said that they were going to be nothing more than like bulletin boards, and now they've turned into publishers. They're making the decision of what they want to put on their sites. They want to edit what they put on their sites, and that's what a publisher does. That's not what you do at the local supermarket when you just uh, take somebody's uh, you know, card, note card, and, and put it up on the bulletin board for people to read. Yeah, it's like it's analogous to, you know, a, a, 
a wooden post in the ground on the public square, right? So here's here's the rub. Let's say the wooden post is on the public square and it's owned by the government. If you post your little note, your little note on that post, and a government agent comes up and removes it, okay, there we go. That's a violation of free speech, depending on what it said, right? We're not going to get into content yet, but here's what's going on. Uh, Prager University is leading the battle on this thing and in, in filing suit against Google. The first question you ask, um, whether or not it's a violation of free speech, is, is it a government actor? Mm. And uh, the rub here is Google, Twitter, Facebook. These are not government actors, right? right. So um, how do we but, – but have they transformed themselves into something that's, that's used publicly? Um, absolutely, they have. They're like a worldwide board, bulletin board, right? They're not a they're not a wooden post in the town square. They're um, actually uh, censoring uh, and using some sort of arbitrary and capricious model to prevent people from posting videos. Like Prager University has what they call educational videos uh, being taken down by Google, which owns YouTube, and that's where the rub is. That's where this limiting free speech is, and it's not It's not good. It's not good when you cannot battle these billion-dollar tech companies, and that's why you know, the government is having these, these congressional hearings on what in the heck is going on, because it's a fact that these sites have influenced elections. These sites, through the limiting of free speech, have influenced elections in the United States. That's where we're at. So how do we address it? We've got to move quickly. We've got to do something. Um, you know, the, these sites are protected by the DC, DMCA, the Digital Millennium Copyright Act. Um, they, they've got some uh, protections in, in what they post uh, through, through government legislation, um, meaning that Internet providers, Internet web page providers are not liable if I post something defamatory against the Dave Ellswick show, right? No, so it's, so, a, it's an interesting legal concept. Does that make sense? It makes a lot of sense. It really does. I mean, yeah. when we talk censorship, mm-hmm. we always talk governmental censorship. But what do you do when it's a freely owned company? Uh, what do you do when they're the people who are censoring? I think at that point, you you need to go back and look at what the government did to pr- maybe protect them with what they were starting to do, but they have morphed into something different, and you've got to change the rules uh, as far as they're yeah. doing business. All right, so let's come back, and we'll talk further about this. We've got to get our first break in. Our guest, Robert Steinbach, Chris Corbett. Uh, Chris is really up on this stuff about what we're talking about. So is Robert. Uh, it's important to you. You need Not to anymore. listen to it. Need to be listening about it. All right. 735, uh, Alan Bubbas is going to be on. Yeah, he's running uh, kind of a, a campaign for an open seat on the, the city council for Little Rock. We're going to talk to him about that when we uh, continue here on the Dave Ellswick Show. Don't forget about PI Roofing. They are your roof leak detectives. If you were listening to the show yesterday, you know why they use uh, that branding statement because that when they started out, that's exactly what they did. They drove through neighborhoods, looked at roofs, could tell which roofs were having problems, and they talked to the 
people who owned those homes, and then they went up and they found the problems and they repaired them. Well, they've moved a long way uh, away from that, uh, but the basic thing of fixing roofs they've step they've kept with, and they do it very very well because they know if water gets into your house that it's going to do damage. It's going to damage the uh, plywood that's on top of your house. It's going to uh, damage the insulation that's inside your house. And if it gets down on top of the drywall of your ceilings or between your uh, walls, it's going to cause mold and it's going to cause warping and it's going to cause problems for you inside your home. Keep that from happening by calling the professionals at PI Roofing. Use the number that I use. Look, they've replaced my roof one time 18 years ago. Uh, they're going to replace it again probably next year. Uh, they've done some interim work as well. All of it has been uh, par excellence, uh, but uh, there's a number you got to call. I call this number just as well as you'll call this number, 707-3551. 707-3551, and you'll get the great service and professionalism that I've come to enjoy with PI Roofing. Or if you like to just do it uh, on the web, piroofing.com. Know this, they follow all the COVID-19 protocols. They'll keep your family safe. They'll keep their workers safe. That's PI Roofing, 707-3551, or piroofing.com. All right, back with you. We've got uh, about six minutes to the bottom of the hour, and Rush will join us uh, here on the Dave Ellswick Show. But right now, Chris Corbett is with us. He's a practicing attorney up in Conway. And also with us is a law professor, and that is Robert Steinbach. And always remember, his opinions are his and his alone and not necessarily those of the university or the school of law. With that said, let's go back and, and just pick up where Chris and I were talking and, and uh, Robert, you jump in after Chris here. Uh, guys, you, the, the legislature uh, here of the United States, the Congress, uh, gave s- certain rules and regulations to the businesses uh, that are doing the social media. Uh, the problem is that the social media has changed exponentially. It has grown. It has morphed. It's bigger than it it was when it started, and it's doing more things than when it started. And perhaps it's time to look at the regulatory area that uh, governs them. I think that that's where we're at now. Uh, what, What are some things, Chris, you believe needs to be done? Well, first of all, you know, I'm for capitalism. Um, I'm for limited government. Um, so it, it, for me to strike a balance here, I've got to give it a lot of thought. Um, one thing we were talking a while ago, maybe there's a section of Google and YouTube that's un- totally uncensored. But then, are we going to? Does that mean we're going to have folks folks posting pornography and stuff up like that? I mean, there's censorship going on all the time with these big non governmental entities, right? Um, it's, and can it be good? Can it be bad? Yeah, there's a there, there needs to be some some rules made. Um, but sometimes rules need to be broken. Um, of course, nonviolently, right through free choice. 
Um, if you don't like Google, don't use it. That's one side of the that's one side of the coin here. The same coin. Yeah, we want free speech. But if I can't post a YouTube video without fear of it being taken down, or I can't post a, a Twitter video, and I have a million followers, I think I got five, right? Then there's a problem. <laughs> there's a problem, and um, it's a it's a it's a challenging question. But we as Americans, we can address it. We can figure this out. All right, where are you on this, Robert? I mean, both of us, again, free speech advocates. Uh, I just think we, you know, businesses sometimes, regulations are necessary, and Twitter has proven that to me. Here's the thing, Dave. You hear on the news all the time about this uh, law called 230, Section 230. That's correct. It's rather simple, and here's what your audience needs to understand. When that law was written, it said if you're a platform – You can't be sued if someone says something on your platform. You can't sue the platform for defamation, for example. Okay, that makes sense because Joe Blow says something on Twitter. Twitter shouldn't be sued for being a platform. Newspapers generally can be sued. So what's the difference? Well, newspapers cultivate their news. So now they're responsible for the contents. They put the contents in. You can't just get onto a newspaper because you want to. Well, there was one small exception. He said, however, if a platform wants to take off uh, um, material like pornography, they can do that. Okay, that seems, you know, obscene material. Okay, that seems to make sense. And then there's another section, I believe added later, that says, oh, or maybe other offensive material. Wait, what do we mean by offensive? And now the lefties at Twitter, at Facebook, at all of these lefty media organizations said, oh, well, we interpret that as meaning we can take off the stuff that conservatives say and we'll leave up the stuff that liberals say. Wait a second. Now you're doing exactly what newspapers do. You're cultivating the news. And therefore, we need to change that law. We need to change 230 that says either you cultivate and you're liable or you don't cultivate and you're not liable. But you can't have it both ways where you decide to pluck out all the conservative voices, leave in all the liberal voices and then say, hey, we're just a platform. We're not a news service. Sorry. Yes, you are. Yeah, and I agree. And uh, Dorsey. Uh, who's the head of Twitter, ran into uh, Ted Cruz head-on yesterday, or pardon me, on on Wednesday. And Cruz mentioned to him, you know, you take off uh, uh, the president left and right, yet you leave the Ayatollah on from Iran, Iran, who's calling for the destruction of Israel. What's that all about? And that's where this this kind of uh, discussion now has has come to listen guys we got rush coming up so let me get us ready for that after rush and after our break uh we're going to be talking to alan bubbas as well he's running for office at the uh, little rock city council we'll talk to him also uh coming up here with uh, you all and then i want to come back and and talk further about this because this is going to be a, a big time uh, discussion Uh, going forward and then i'd like your opinions about if the republicans hold the senate or if the democrats get the senate uh how will the way this is approached differ by the two different parties we'll do all of that 
and more when we come back here on the Dave Ellswick Show. But right now, here's Rush. Hey, we're getting back here. We're going to talk to Alan Bubbas in just a second here on the Dave Ellswick Show. But I want to remind you about if you want a piece of jewelry that is unique and is special to the person you're buying it for, then the place that you have to go to, I'm just going to tell you, you got to go here, is Hillcrest Designer Jewelry at 3000 Cavanaugh. You've got to talk to Eric Coleman, who's the jeweler there. He's more than just a jeweler there, uh, though. I mean, he understands. Uh, he's a gemologist. He owns, uh, understands all the stones. He understands colored stones. He understands diamonds. But he's really an artisan. He brings all of the things that he loves about art into designing, designing from the beginning to the end, the ring, the pennant the uh, necklace, the bracelet that you want for that special someone. And you're going to get a good price, uh, especially when it comes to diamonds, because Eric has a lot of diamonds, uh, loose diamonds, that he'll be able to sell to you. He also knows where to get diamonds from, real diamonds, not fake Japanese diamonds like you run into on the Internet. Don't waste your money. Go to see... Uh, Eric Coleman at Hillcrest Designer Jewelry and get what you want for the person you want to get it for and get them something that when they sit down at a special dinner event or something, uh, the lady next to them or the guy next to uh, your husband or your boyfriend or whatever, they won't be wearing the same ring. It's always embarrassing. That's Hillcrest Designer Jewelry, 3000 Cavanaugh in Little Rock. All right, let's get back. We've got Robert Steinbach. He's still with us. Uh, he is a law professor over at uh, the Bowen School of Law. His opinions is alone and not necessarily those of, uh, of course, uh, the School of Law or uh, the university. Uh, Chris Corbett, practicing attorney up in Conway. And then joining us today, a guy who's running for an open position on the city council here in uh, Little Rock, and that's Alan Bubbas. You'll know him better as Alan Dave Bubbas, and Dave being the operative word because it goes along with the hamburger joint that he owns. And I know he hates me to call it a joint, but I, I love the place. And that's that okay, is, Dave. We'll, that, we'll go Dave's. with it. Okay, you go with it. That's good. I'm glad because it already got between my lips and out on the air. <laughs> Bottom line, you guys, you have taken... Uh, Dave's from one restaurant. I think you you started in Conway, and now what? Right. What seven or eight locations now? We, we've got we've got nine. We had nine, ten, okay. but uh, uh, we closed our Park Plaza mall. Look, we had a small location in Park Plaza, and uh, the crime just started to become a real issue there, and safety, and um, so we closed that location, and now we've got nine. But next year, we're probably going to have our biggest year ever. Um, we're probably going to open three more, and we're, we're probably going to be introducing a new concept. So I may have to come back and talk to you about that. I've had the option of, you know, hey, let's uh, let's go and let's go to Northwest Arkansas or let's go to another market, you know, oh, Dallas. Wow. But, um, you know, I've decided to grow local, which is one reason why I'm running for city director. Um, you know, we want to continue to grow in central Arkansas. I've got a bunch of kids. I've got a two, five, 10, 13, 14, and 21-year-old boys, or the 21-year-old young man. Wow. But um, So I'm loaded up at home, so I'd really like to grow at home. I don't need to be traveling or getting in airplanes, going everywhere to open restaurants. But 
Um, so I, I, I really want to see Little Rock do well, and that's why I'm running for city director. You know, what's it going to take, uh, David, to turn this city around? Uh, we've had several mayors. I mean, I could go all the way back to, to Jello Jim and all the way up to the, the newest uh, mayor that we have, and I keep seeing them making the same mistakes and shooting themselves in the foot. I mean, you're a businessman. What are some things that definitely need to be done? Well, first off, I, I, I think if we go into the future and look back, I think we may be thankful for the mayors that we've had. Uh, my fear is that um, it could get a whole lot worse, um, and that's one reason why I'm running. Um, I'm, I think our biggest issue is going to be safety um, and feeling safe. I think Re- Little Rock has a, a reputation for not making people feel safe as it is, and I'm just really concerned that it could get a whole lot worse. And, um, you know, if you look at our police force now, you should just go ask and talk to a local Little Rock police officer and ask them how they're feeling about their job and about uh, the the police force. And I I think you'll hear some very depressed answers. Um, We had record low or near record low applicants. I think it was around 40 this last time around. To give you an idea, the fire department normally has 500-plus applicants. Wow. Um, So we had 40 applicants this last time. And... um, and we've got a lot of our best officers leaving to go to other places because um, they're not happy with the leadership there. So, um, and just the way they're being treated. I was on one forum, and uh, they asked this question to all the candidates. They said, "You know, hey, we've got a real problem with people, you know, uh, riding a wheelie down Broadway in the middle of downtown, just block after block, riding wheelies on four wheelers and on motorcycles." And it's not being enforced. Uh, they're just allowing it to happen. And so what are we going to do? And one person said, you know, hey, we, we've got to just go and listen to the people and go listen to them and figure out their side of it. And another guy said, hey, we don't have enough parks. There's got to be more places for these people to play. And I said, well, you know, I'm thinking to myself, these guys are 40 years old that are doing this. Um, and I said, well, where do you draw the line? You know, I used to live in Otter Creek and people would come through and they jiggle the door handle on your car and um to see if uh, they could break in your car and i had my car broken into you know during the day people come by and knock on your your house door and if you weren't home sometimes your home would get breaking into mine wasn't unfortunately but you know um people one of the number one priorities for a city is safety and we've got to support our police we've got to take care of our police you saw wallace this week in philadelphia that was shot by the police yeah and we have got to be on the forefront of technology. We've got to be the forefront of restraints. We need to be the best at training our police. We need to give them the resources they need at any other time in history. With right now, we need to support our police. And I'm very concerned that the board, if it changes directions, our police force could get gutted. You've already heard other candidates say they want to move toward more community policing. And I think they've got enough uh there's always a lot of vagueness in the answers, but I really think in their heart of hearts of who they really are, I really think they want to cut our police and move it back. And um, I think that's really going to hurt our city. I mean, so you're talking about these are people who want to, quote, defund the police. You know, and, uh, you know, they give themselves a lot of latitude. But, yes, I mean, long story short, they're not pro-police. At the end of the day, I think there's some uh, real visceral in heart feelings toward the police 
and uh, they're not friends of the police. The the FOP, the police has supported me officially, endorsed me. And, uh, you know, I think that's one of our critical issues is making our city safe. And, um, you know, I understand that there's a m- more racial tension now than there's probably ever been. Uh, I shouldn't say ever been, but maybe in the last 15, 20 years, recent history. Um there's more division on our city board racially than there's ever been, uh, in, again, in the last 15, 20 years. Um, so I'm, I've got real concerns about how to deal with that. And, I, you know, I said, on again, on one of these forums the other day, hey, if you come into one of my restaurants in Little Rock, we're majority non-white. Um, we have majority non-white leadership in our company. And, uh, you know, I've tried to um, just promote the best person, find the best person for the job, treat them right, love on them. Uh, instill values in them that I think are critical for our success. And uh, I've got an ad I'm trying to run, and I'm trying to raise money for this ad, but it basically comes down to, you know, at Davids Burgers, our, one of our cornerstone beliefs is that we value every person. Hmm. Every person that comes in the door, we want you to walk out the door having a better day than when you walked in. We want to value every person. And at the end of the commercial, I'll say it's, it's just time that we have a little hospitality in Little Rock. And so I'm hopeful and I believe I can balance the issues of race and safety because that's that's the pushback back and forth um, with a lot of the candidates. They believe that you can't be pro uh, justice reform and at the same time be uh, pro black. Um, And, you know, I, I think we can I think we can thread the needle there. I think, you know, people that come into my store, they want a safe city. They want to feel safe. And so I'd ask your viewers, I really need your help in raising funds. Uh, we, we need to run this ad. Uh, we're doing well. I think there, this, is not, this race is not going to require a runoff, Dave. Um, yeah. you know, so whoever gets the most votes wins. And um, uh, a lot of uh, my opponents are really dividing up the same voters. And so I think I've got an advantage there, and I think we need to come out and win this thing. But if, we, if, if your viewers could go, to wecandobetterlittlerock.com and uh, give me a little bit of money. I would really be appreciative of that. We need to finance this ad, pay for it, get it on the air, and push this thing over the goal line to get these last voters in. All right. we got to get a break, and then when we come back, questions from Robert and Chris uh, of Alan Bubbas, who is running for the, uh, the city council here in Little Rock. We'll be back, talk to him, and let him explain to us what an open seat is so that you understand that as well. 13 minutes to 8 here on the Dave Ellswick Show. We're back for the final segment of this hour. Alan Bubbas is our guest. He is running uh, for an open position on the city uh, government. Robert, I'm going to turn it over to you. Get your question in. Uh, Alan has agreed to come in for one other uh, segment into the uh, uh, 6 o'clock hour tonight. So uh, real quick, uh, Robert, go ahead and and, uh, ask your questions. Alan, first, I'm going to use your full name so those who are voting uh, know what to look for on the ballot. <clears throat> Excuse me. David Allen Bubbis of David's Burgers. Uh, Alan, tell me, what does this open position mean? Me- meaning it's the only position that I see with like five or six people competing for, for the spot. Why is that the case? What does this mean? Well, uh, Gene Fortson uh, served for the board, what, 15, 20 years and has done a, a great job, uh, really cared about the city. It's a lot of business experience, banking experience, entrepreneurial experience, and brought that kind of mindset to the board. 
and with his retirement, um, it was very fearful for me. I signed up to run the last minute because I felt like a lot of people were running with a very polar opposite mindset of that. Um, so as far as it being an open and at-large seat, um, you know, it, your job is to represent the city as a whole. The city has seven wards, and then it has three positions that are supposed supposed to rep- represent the city as a whole, as well as the mayor, of course. But So um, the mayor um, and a few other candidates have, have really wanted to get rid of these at-large positions. And it's a real problem for me because I, I think part of it is to increase the power of their own vote. Um, so and I really think we need people that can look out for the interest of the city as a whole rather than just look out for their ward, which that's important as well. You need to have someone that's looking out for just their one particular part of the city. But having these at-large positions, and that's one reason I want to run for an at-large position, um, was because that's the way I'm, I'm more minded anyway. I think, you know, the, the city does better uh, when we work together and uh, when we grow together. If you neglect parts of the city, uh, it's kind of like that chain. You know, you don't need your weakest link there. So um, that's that's why I'm running. You know, as far as why there's so many people running, you know, um, there's not an incumbent in this race. So you've seen it to draw a lot of attention, a lot of people to run, and it's been up for grabs. And um, I think I can take it. I think, again, a lot of the other candidates are running for some of the same voters. And, um, you know, we, we can do better in Little Rock, and we definitely need to move this forward and have the same type of leadership that Gene Fortson has had. For the, for the last several years, so. Alan, you're, you are um, a conservative, uh, but you're also a business, not but, and you're also a businessman, and your conservative ideology is not what I would call far conservative, meaning you're a very pragmatic person. And I believe we need pragmatic people operating this city as opposed to these leftists who are all about ideology You know, we are spending hundreds of thousands of dollars to one of these big white shoe private law firms downtown to represent the city. Why are my tax dollars going to a bunch of stuffed shirts, uh, $300 tie wearing lawyers downtown in one of the few tall buildings we have in Little Rock? Instead of having Little Rock's own attorneys, we've got a city attorney gets paid a six figure salary. I think he's got attorneys on his staff in addition. Why are we outsourcing those kinds of functions so that people can pick my pocket? By people, I mean city government and city taxes. Pick my pocket even further. I know a businessman like you is going to try to rein in that crazy behavior by this out-of-control mayor. What are your thoughts on that? I mean, I think you've nailed it. I mean, um, you know, one of our biggest problems is focus. And if you look at cities that do well, they don't get caught up in the national politics. They're not, uh, you know, dealing with issues that really, you know, on the city level, we're responsible for picking up your trash, like keeping your seats, your streets clean, uh, you know, managing your police force, dealing with your infrastructure. And these are the types of issues, your fire department, managing all of all of what really impacts you on a daily level. So, you know, to get caught up in a lot of these national political issues is a grave error. So, and I, that's really what's happened. Um, you see, and I don't know if there's future political plans, but I'm telling you, I'm not that guy. I have not enjoyed the campaign process. I do not like raising money. 
Uh, I've always thought uh, politics would be interesting and fun, but I have discovered that I don't like it. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And I am, uh, but I do love Little Rock. And again, I'm invested here. My family's here. And I want to see the city do better. I really do. And uh, that's my only motivation for running is I don't want to see us become a city that's less safe and not run well, as you pointed out, that is missing the ball because we're focused on the wrong things. I'm a detail-oriented guy. You know, my dad has always taught me to do the little things right, to demonstrate your humility by serving others, by doing the details right. And that's not the attitude that you see. The attitude is let's focus on this big political issue so we can get some headlines or so that we can do this and draw attention to ourselves. And uh, that's not the direction I'm going in. I would prefer to stay out of the out of the public eye and get the job done and see our city grow and do better. I would really, again, I hate to do this, but I'm I'm trying to run an ad that basically says just that, that we need to bring hospitality to Little Rock and bring it to City Hall when businesses come in, that they don't feel like, um, you know, they're coming before the king and have to bow the knee, but they feel like they're coming in and they get the red carpet rolled out. You know, if you've been to City Hall, do you feel that way when you come in? Are you treated with hospitality? So uh, I need people to go to WeCanDoBetterLittleRock.com and just give a little bit. And really, I think Arkansas, and I know you've got a lot of viewers from all over the state, but Arkansas does better with a healthy Little Rock. You know, we're a better hub for the state. Um, We're our state capital, obviously, here. We've got the port. We've got uh, airport. We've got all of these things that make Little Rock a great hub, whether it's with health care. People come to Little Rock from all over for health care. We've become a financial hub. So... Our whole state does better with a healthier Little Rock, with a safer Little Rock. And so it's it's time for, for people. I hope you'll step up and donate and give. Uh, we've, we've got money to raise to, to get and push this campaign over the goal line. So, All right. We got to get a break in, guys. Uh, we'll be back at 6 o'clock for you listening live right now. And uh, David Allen Bubbas will be with us when we're on at 6. You can hear more from him when we continue. Of course, Robert Steinbach will be with us, and so will Chris Corbett. When we come back, Chris, you get your question in. I'm liking what I'm hearing. We'll be back in just a few moments here on the Dave Ellswick Show. Dave Ellswick Show, 6 o'clock in the evening now. And if you listen to uh, the, the show early in the morning, you know that uh, the, the guest we had on in the last hour, in the 7 o'clock hour, 
David Allen uh, Bubbas is with us. He is running uh, for a position with city council, uh, at large position. This is a position that basically represents the whole city, not a specific ward. It represents the whole city. So uh, that's what he's running for. We've got him on today. We're going to have him on for about the next 14 minutes and talk to him about some of his ideas. And I had gotten my first question in, and then Robert got his question in. Now let's turn it over to Chris Corbett, who's with with us as well, and your question, Chris. Uh, thanks, Dave. And Bubba's, we're so glad to have you on today. I, uh, I've got so many factors, so many assets of uh, different areas I want to ask you. So I'm going to try to limit it to three. I'm going to start out with um, one of Mayor Stodler's, the former Mayor Stodler's speeches back in 2010, 2011, right around in there. He said that the city of Little Rock has 103,000, 100,000 people come into the city every day. And uh, that's a problem. The city of Little Rock, this is back in 2010-ish, grew only 5%, while the cities around it grew in double-digit proportions. I mean, Benton, 28%, Bryant, 41%, Maumel, 38%, Conway, 30%. And my my question to you is, why do you think that is? Do you think it's because uh, the city of Conway doesn't require business licenses, but the city of uh, Little Rock does. The city of Little Rock has a mayor making over $100,000 or the city attorney making over $100,000 and a city manager. Who's running the city? Um, my question is, do you think you'll be able to rein in some of this government overreach, out-of-control spending? Another one, false alarms. The cities, the citizens of Little Rock are fined over a million dollars a year in false alarms. Um, uh put on the city by an out-of-state corporation, Public Safety Corporation, a.k.a. Cry Wolf, um, and they, the, the city's just out of control in these areas, and then also crime. So out of, out over, government overreach, crime, and um, the city council not being in control. All right, let's leave it. Let's let David go. I appreciate the short question. (laughs) (laughs) You know, before I jump in there, Dave, I just want to say you had the greatest intro music probably ever. I mean, thank you. I mean, who has better music than that? Nobody. I mean, that, I, mean <laughs> I mean, you can feel it kind of bringing up the energy as it gets a little closer. Uh, but to answer your question, you know, uh, not only am I concerned about all the issues that you brought up, but, you know, I've, I've told a lot of people, if we're not real careful, we could look, we could go fast forward the clock five years down the road and look back and say, hey, we were at a real tipping point changing our culture and I didn't do anything about it. You know, we had alarms there, just bells going off that, you know, Little Rock has already doesn't have the greatest reputation for safety and for crime. And then we've got people talking about gutting our police department. And what did I do about it? And, you know, uh, again, I know you got a lot of viewers from all over the state, but, um, you know, if Little Rock is not a safe city and not considered a safe city, we've got real problems and we could go downhill in a hurry. And so we have got to make changes Um, to really prevent people coming in that have an ideology that is out of bounds and far left, wanting to do things to really gut and change our police department, all in the name of creating greater greater racial relations. And my theory has been is, you know, if you have a weak police department, 
and they are underfunded, they are undertrained, they don't have the best technology, then you are more likely to have a police officer that's fearful, that's insecure, and that will make bad decisions in the midst of pressure. And if we have police police officers making those types of poor decisions because they're underfunded, undertrained, and then don't have enough technology, we're going to have problems in Little Rock. You know, we've seen again, going back to Philadelphia, um, Wallace, the, the shooting that happened with Wallace, his father even came on and said, hey, the police didn't have enough technology there. And I'm not saying that the shooting was a bad shooting. The shooting was a clean shooting. But we have got to be, Little Rock needs to be the forefront in investing in technology, training. We need to have the best staff. One of the things that the city, uh, people for the city have pushed for is making it where the police officers must live in the city. And I've said, you know, what we need is not for police officers. That would be great if they did. Don't get me wrong. But what we need is the very best police officers. We need to have the widest applicant pool to have people that can handle the pressure, make good decisions on their feet, and be able to be there for their other officers. So we need to have the biggest and broadest applicant pool. I said, you know, if you look at it my, like my restaurant, if I had to only hire people that are within a certain radius of the restaurant, that would really hurt me because I need to get the most applicants that I can. Any business owner knows that. And so we have got to have good decision-making, sound judgment, not based on national politics, but based on what we need on the local level that really care about Little Rock rather than furthering their own future political career. And I'm not going to get caught up in that. I've already got a job. I don't need another one. So (laughs) um, anyway, I I hope that answers your question, Chris. But, yeah, I mean, making good judgment. Uh, I think a, a lot of the reasons that we're having those bills is because we get caught up in things that aren't necessarily critical for Little Rock. Well, right, Robert, Bubba, I think you're in a great position. I'm sorry. Go ahead, Dave. That's all right. Let's just move over to Robert. Robert, another question? Yeah, David Allen Bubbis. Uh, Allen, the, you've touched on a key issue here, and is that this mayor in Little Rock is looking to make a political name for himself. He brought in this train wreck of a commissioner of police, The police uh, department is now in complete disarray. The citizens of Little Rock, like me, are less safe than we ever have been. What are you going to do to help restore law and order to this uh, environment that we live now in in Little Rock because of this train wreck that is our mayor? Well, I mean, and again, it could get a lot worse. The mayor has, um, and I I think I could work with the mayor. I don't agree with what he's doing on these issues. I do think he's got some good things as far as uh, being aggressive with growing the economy. However, he's dead wrong on this policing issue. And, uh, you know, my concern is he's got a few people running for some open seats. And if he gains majority control of the board, I'm I'm scared. Uh, he, he needs it's over. That, that it's he, over if he gains majority control. We need you to serve as a check on this out-of-control train wreck mayor. Absolutely. I mean, you just nailed it. I mean, that, and that's why I'm running. I got into the race at the last minute because I was scared for Little Rock. Again, I'm invested in this city. I've got six kids. I've adopted three. Love Little Rock. Um, got restaurants all over the city. I'm used to serving the people, and I've gotten to know them, and uh, really care about the city and want to see it do well. And um, it's it's it is a scary time. 
It is a scary time, and I don't know how to sound the bell to wake people up that if uh, we have a majority uh, that is a far-left anti-police majority on the board, that Little Rock is in deep trouble. So, that I mean, to answer your question, the first job, number one, is to prevent that type of thought and that type of belief system getting on the board and controlling the board. That's job one. Go ahead. I'm sorry, Dave. Yeah, let me just jump in and, and ask this of of our candidate, uh, David Bubba's, and, and, and that is this whole deal of uh, you're going to be one of ten. Are there members of the, the board that you know, that you, you feel that you can work with and and can turn this tide for public safety? Well, you know, I and mean, that's one reason why I brought up earlier about um, how diverse a company we have. Um, again, we're, you know, if you come into our Little Rock stores, we're majority non-white. Um, and I, I, you know, we're majority minority <laughs> in leader, in every level, in leadership, um, you know, in our stores and staffing, in every level of our company, um, we're extremely diverse. And, you know, I, I, I love working with all different kinds of people. So, and I, it's not, I don't, uh, I enjoy that. So um, being able to come in and working with Irma Hendricks and work in, in her ward, I'm not. I, I, I think we can find some areas of agreement. Whether she's wanting to have better roads or better infrastructure or better parks or whatever it is she wants, I think that there's are deals there that that need to be made. And I think we need to work focus on the areas that we have agreement. And um, you know, her job is to represent her ward. And so I think for me going into a meeting with her, even though I don't agree with probably 90% of the things that she does, is to say, hey, your jobs represent your reward, and you're trying to do that. Uh, you love the people in your ward, and uh, that's, that's your job, and I respect you for doing that. So, you know, I think you have to be able to be smart um, and to be able to find areas of agreement, just like any negotiator, and you're doing any type of deal. Um, you got to get buy-in from all parties. And I think that's one thing the government has done a very – city government has done a poor job of. Instead of saying, hey, homeowners association, what, are, what is it that you're wanting? Hey, uh, business developer, what is it that you want? And trying to get a little piece from everybody and trying to make people come together to get uh, deals done. I mean, you've seen that with a war memorial. Um, that is an unbelievable piece of property that needs to be producing income for a city – and producing, uh, again, a, a place for people to come, whether it's a park or whether it's some type of um, investment property for a future. Um, you see the development that goes on on the form, former Sears site, and those things are, I think those are going to be near record le- level sales and price per square foot. But we've got to have leadership that's not concerned about, you know, national issues and getting, <laughs> you know, attention for those issues rather than we've got to just focus on getting deals done for Little Rock. And I look forward to the opportunity of doing that. You know, I, I've done developments. Uh, I understand uh, stormwater detention <laughs> from a 30,000-foot level. <laughs> you know, just everything it takes um, to do uh, compaction, you know, to get uh, developments done. When I'm working with a developer, I'm going to understand his language is what I'm trying to say. And so when, uh, when you come in to deal with a lot of times often the city, they don't understand it and they don't get it. They haven't developed anything or built anything. So they don't get it. They don't under, they don't give people the respect that they deserve when they walk in the room. And that's number one. You know, if you're a business developer, owner, you're, you're running a company, you walk into a room and people don't respect your time, you go to another city. you got options. So I think that's very important for people. You know, uh, 
hospitality, again, is part of what I'm running on, whether it's Irma Hendricks or dealing with someone else across the city. Um, we've got to demonstrate that kindness, that hospitality. Again, our cornerstone belief is that all people are valuable and all people matter. And that, again, if you come into David's Burgers, we want you feeling a little bit better when you leave than when you came in. And I think we need to bring that attitude to City Hall, no matter who we're dealing with. All right, Chris, you get the final question. Make it a good one. I, I just, man, I wish you well. I, everything you're saying, you're right on, Bubba. Everything you're saying is uh, uh, needs to be changed. And I know that that word "change" has been thrown around, but we've just uh, need some some sound business judgment in the city council, and we need somebody that's going to stand up and say something. I'll give you an example um, of out of control. And then just like to know your thoughts on it. You know, the city attorney's office violated a, my classmates' constitutional rights and shut down his apartment complex. His, his name is Jason Bolden. And nothing's been said about it. The city had to write him a check for $650,000. Wow. Not once been brought, not, not once been brought up, Alan. And I just hope that, you know, you look at that and go, okay, we did something wrong here. Let's change what we're doing. But it's not, it's just been swept under the carpet. Um, and um, I guess my, my thoughts are what are your thoughts on? You know, I, I, just, I had a real estate deal here uh, recently. We're, we're doing um, mm-hmm. uh, a huge, well, it's big for us. Uh, it's about a 13,000 square foot retail development right there in the Hot Springs on Central and the Bypass, one of the best locations in the city. Yep. And um, we were meeting uh, with some of the people we're working with on the deal, and they had come back to the table asking for something else. And at first I was like, man, we've been back and forth and back and forth, and we've already got a deal in place. And we said, hey, the, the relationship's worth it. Let's go and let's visit with them. Let's demonstrate a little bit of humility. And then we sat down at the table with them and heard what they had to say, and everything they had to say was reasonable. So I, I think that's part of the issue. We're so we're, we're so focused on other things that we're not doing the common sense thing. And so I think gotcha. a bigger thing, and again, this is not going to come across in a campaign speech. It's not going to be something that you can really like talk about, but culture is critically important. How right. you build your corporate culture, how you build your company's culture, the way people feel when they walk in your door. And and that's hopefully what I can help bring is building a business culture of good sense, good judgment, treating people fairly, listening, uh, those types of things you don't see. You know, people come in with their own mindset and they don't listen. You know, probably this issue with this apartment issue probably could have been resolved if somebody would have sat down with the table with him and said, well, what are your issues and what are our issues and let's figure a way out to make this work. And it probably could have been resolved. And that's the way I see a lot of issues in our city, whether it's uh, developments or what have you. You know, if you drive uh, downtown Little Rock right now and you go over across the Broadway Bridge, you look to your left as you look to the west as you're going north, you see an apartment complex going up, multifamily, millions and millions and millions of dollars. Uh, you look uh, right there at the, the North Little Rock downtown, there's another apartment uh, multifamily that just got built. You go over there to the big Pentecostal church on 40, and then you go just a little bit east of there, and you can see another huge multifamily project. What if we had right. some of that downtown? What if we were converting some of this vacant office space into multifamily? All right, and so I got to jump in. I like what you're losing, saying. We are losing deals, Dave. Our city is losing deals. We're not making good judgment. Yep. We're not keeping our city safe. Please, guys, go to WeCanDoBetterLittleRock.com and send me a little cash so I can run some ads 
we got to get the word out. we got to win this election. All right. David Allen Bubbas, thanks for the time. We appreciate you joining us today. We'll be back in a moment. Got to get a break in here on the Dave Ellswick Show. Finish up uh, this half hour, finish up with Robert, finish up with Chris, as they're our special guests every Friday. Uh, of course, we're going, to be, we're going to be hearing about movies uh, with Matt Smith when we come back at the bottom of the hour. But, uh, guys, the election is upon us now. We, I remember talking about months away. Now we're talking hours away. Uh, what's your feelings, Robert, as we go in this? And, and try to keep your answer to a minute. Sure. For us here locally, uh, the most important ballot initiative that we need to focus on <clears throat> is the first one, issue one. This is the permanent new tax to put in the Constitution so that good, hardworking Arkansans are sacked of their money, fooled, lied to by those in favor of this brand new tax that's going to take oversight away from the legislature of the highway department and and make it an uncontrollable independent agency. If you want to keep your money, if you want to keep oversight over government, you must, you must vote no on issue one. Issue one is a train wreck. All right, Chris. (laughs) I'll give you some predictions. Issue okay. one is going down in flames for those very reasons. Trump's right. going to win in a landslide. All right. And there's gonna, unfortunately, there's going to be some more lawsuits about these mail-in ballots. Well, there's going to be a lot of lawsuits. <laughs> yeah. There's going to be a lot. If everybody thought hanging chads were uh, a, a word from 2000, mail-in ballots is going to be the term for 2020. No doubt about that at yeah. all. Guys, I, uh, I appreciate you joining me today. Uh, Robert, I thank you for getting things set up with uh, David Allen Bubbas uh, and him joining us. Uh, that was an interesting conversation with him and uh, getting his, uh, uh, his thoughts about what he would like to do for the city of Little Rock, and we appreciate that. You guys have a great weekend. I will talk to you uh, next week, and when we talk again, the election will be over. And uh, we'll be talking about what the future is going to be looking like here in uh, uh, our country. Thanks a lot, guys. Appreciate it. Have a great great one. All right. So uh, we'll be talking with Matt Smith here in in a few moments. There's some uh, really great information out. Number one, Warner Brothers has announced they are going to make sure that Wonder Woman comes out on Christmas Day. A little later on this year. That's exciting news. Uh, Halloween Kills uh, has uh, just dropped a new trailer on uh, YouTube that uh, you'll, if you're a big Halloween fan, you're going to want to take a look at. Uh, Carpenter is calling it the best of the best of the, of the Halloween films uh, that have been done. And let me just say that the original... Uh, is incredible, to say the least. Uh, have always enjoyed that movie. Have watched it twice this week, getting ready for Halloween on uh, tomorrow night. And, uh, you know, before we get to Matt and everything, i got just a few moments. Take kids out, trick-or-treat tomorrow night. I mean, seriously, take them out, trick-or-treating tomorrow night. Uh, you know, 
stand back a little bit from the doors that you get in your candy. Don't crowd in with a whole bunch of kids. You know, do the social distancing thing and, and be responsible as far as that's concerned. But take your children out and have some fun with them tomorrow night on uh, Halloween night. All right, we'll be back to finish it up with uh, Matt Smith when we return on the Dave Ellswick Show. My thanks to Robert Steinbach, Chris Corbett for joining me as they do every Friday. And uh, we thank uh, David Allen uh, Bubbas for coming on and talking about his campaign for that number nine open uh, slot on the city council. And he had a lot of interesting things to to say and ideas. And uh, being the businessman that he is with David's Burgers, uh, he had some very, very good ideas. Uh, Matt Smith joins us now here on the Dave Ellswick Show. He does this every Friday at 8.30, and we talk movies because I know, look, I know that you want to get out. You're tired of being, you know, at home. Uh, A safe place to go is the movie houses. They've got all kinds, excuse me, all kinds of protocols uh, at at the theaters. Uh, whether you go to Hot Springs, whether you go to, you know, Riverdale t- uh, 10 at the bottom of Cantrell Hill, out in Cabot, out in Searcy, up in Batesville. Doesn't matter. They follow the same protocols and you will be safe and, and able to enjoy a movie. First of all, Matt, let's talk about what's the new movies that are coming out. And then uh, I want to talk to you about some stories that I've seen about uh, movies uh, here just recently. But first, what's the new films that are out this weekend? Well, uh, new today from Focus Features is a film called Come Play. Uh, it's rated PG-13, uh, perfect film for um, the holidays. Uh, a, a lonely young boy feels different from everyone else. Desperate for a friend, he seeks solace and refuge in his ever-present cell phone and tablet. When a mysterious creature uses the boy's devices against him to break into our world, his parents must fight to save the son from the monster beyond the screen. So it is definitely a Halloween movie. It's PG-13. Got a great review today in uh, the Arkansas Democrat Gazette. So that that is new. Okay. Um, Also also new today for for Halloween is Spell. Uh, It is rated R. Uh, it stars Omari Hardwick and Andrew Jacobs. A father su- survives a plane crash in rural Appalachia, but becomes suspicious of the elderly couple who take him in to nurse him back to health with ancient remedies. Uh-oh. This is rated R, and it is uh, definitely, definitely a Halloween movie for sure. And then back in cinemas today, we have um, Alita Battle Angel. Uh, that's back uh, this Friday. We have brought back Beetlejuice with um, Michael Keaton. That's this Friday as well. That's today. We brought that back. And then, of course, still on the screen, uh, Tenet uh, from Warner Brothers. That is still on the screen. We are still playing the number one film in the country, Honest Thief, starring Liam Neeson. Mm-hmm. Uh, also still on the screen, The War with Grandpa, a PG family comedy with Robert De Niro. Uh, we are playing After We Collided, uh, which is the new film uh, from Roger Kimball, and uh, it is a sequel uh, to last year's After, and that is a romantic film. 
And then, of course, uh, Love and Monsters from Paramount Pictures is still on the screen. And we are playing The Empty Man from 20th Century Fox. So you can definitely get out uh, this Friday night and get your scare on at the movies uh, before you do your trick-or-treating on Saturday. That's for sure. Hey, tell you what, spell sounds a little like misery, huh? It, it, it is, really. Uh, and, you know, that's kind of mentioned somewhat in the Democrat Gazette today. I would say it is a new modern take with somewhat of a voodoo twist uh, oh, on good. that movie, um, Misery. Yeah, mm-hmm. that seems, If you've ever been in the backwoods of Appalachia, let me, and I have been, let me tell you, it's a strange, strange place. It really is. It's a different kind of place to go to. Uh, the people are... Just a tad bit different there. Think that you, you, you. Next time I go back to where I went to college at, I'll take you with me, Matt, and I'll take you out on those back Appalachian roads. No, nah, man, I, I, I saw <laughs> Deliverance. I have no interest. That's okay, man. That's okay. That's all right, man. That's great. It's great. It is. You don't go out there at nighttime, man. You get you know, shot. I, I'm just telling. I saw you. Southern Comfort, man. I saw Southern yeah, Comfort. Yeah, no a great interest, movie. Man. I got no interest, man. That's a great. Wrong <laughs> yeah, turn probably. Is a good you know, one too. you can catch those movies at Riverdale Ten. Um, get your tickets at Riverdale10.com. Uh, if you're down in Hot Springs, uh, we're playing those movies in Hot Springs. Plus, Unhinged is still on the screen in Hot Springs with Russell Crowe. Um, in Hot Springs, it's hotspringsvip.com for all of your tickets and the information about the theater. And if you're in uh, Dave Ellswick's hometown, uh, we're playing all those movies that I mentioned, plus Hocus Pocus is still on the screen. Uh, so you can check uh, check out, out that theater at cabotvipcinema.com. And if you head a little bit further north, uh, it's searcycinema.com. And also in Batesville, it is oaksvipcinema.com, and you can catch all of those films at all five of those locations this weekend. And, of course, we feature luxury leather electric recliners with tables and reserved seating. We have a full food menu uh, on uh, our classic movies. If you want to come out this week and watch, uh, weekend and watch Alita Battle Angel or Hocus Pocus, or if you come out to see uh, Beetlejuice, those tickets are only $5 for any of our classic movies, anytime, seven days a week, all features, all showtimes, all tickets. Uh, Wednesday night, everybody gets a free bag of popcorn with every ticket purchase. And, of course, on Tuesday night, all the movies, even the brand-new films, are just $5 on Tuesdays. So be sure to check that out at all the websites. All right, so t- you tell me. I, I really like the lead of battle, Angel. Uh, of course, directed by Robert Rodriguez, the man who gave us El Mar. Ma- what was it? Uh, the one uh, about the uh, the Mexican guy that was out with the guitar case. That was his first movie, if I'm um, um, yes. not mistaken. Yes, and Tony okay. Banderas starred. That's right. So that was a great so, film. Yeah, it was a great film. I think he's a great director. Rodriguez is. He's done a lot of. He's done spooky movies. He's done. He's done slasher movies. He's done kid movies. I mean, Spy Kids are his movies. I mean, those are. Yeah. He's he's just a good director. Uh, Alita Battle Angel, I thought was uh, good. It was written by uh, James Cameron, uh, you know, and I thought it did well at the uh, the box office. Uh, is there any word out that they're, they're, they're thinking yet about the sequel to that movie? 
you know, uh, James Cameron has been working on, um, you know, all the follow-ups he's got going with avatars. He's been working on that. Um, yeah, Alita Battle Angel did $90 million, uh at the box office in the United States and fo- uh, over $400 million worldwide. Right. Um, I'm glad to see this get reissued. I think it was somewhat lost in the shuffle when it came out, even though $90 million is a is a strong a strong gross for a film. Uh, I think the weekend it came out, there were like four other films released. Um, and they also released it for Valentine's Day. Uh, that year, which I didn't think was necessarily good placement. I'm glad to see it back on the screen. Uh, I think people will uh, will want to come see it for the first time on the big screen, and I think the uh, the fans, um, the aficionados of the genre, would will come back and see it again. Um, so yes, I'm glad to see it have a chance to get some more box office. Definitely. Yeah, I I just hope that uh, they do 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 the uh, the sequel to it because what where they left it was where it got to be the most interesting part of the movie. You know what I'm saying? Right, and and, and I, th- I think they will. I think they will, yes. I All mean, right. you know, we're getting back up and getting production running again. Uh, I could see another one of those uh, uh, coming in the future. All right, big news coming from Warner Brothers yesterday. Uh, they came out and said, absolutely, they're going to, they're going to release... Uh, Wonder Woman 1984 on Christmas Day. No ifs, ands, or buts about it. There you go. Now that's got to be good news for you. I mean, peop- I mean, there's there's people that might say, oh, I'm still a little nervous about going to the movies. But when it's Wonder Woman, that big of a tentpole movie, I think it brings in a lot of people. And uh, once you get people come to the theater and they see how safe it is, they come back. Well, I, I, I do agree. I think um, I think that there's a lot of people that don't realize we still have good movies coming out. Uh, you know, next week we have Let Him Go, starring Kevin Costner and Diane Ladd. Uh, on the uh, 13th, we've got uh, Freaky with uh, Vince Vaughn. Uh, he's in that film. Uh, I'm then, waiting, of course, I'm waiting yeah, for Fat Man. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, <laughs> Okay, well, I'm trying to get you out of the house, and you know, before five years from now, brother. Oh I'm yeah, I'm gonna give both. you a chance to go somewhere now. Yeah, so, I'm going to be so, there this weekend. I'm coming over to see Spell. It looks pretty yeah, good to me. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's coming up. I mean, there are some good movies between now and Christmas. Let him go with Kevin Costner next week. Freaky on November 13th with um, Vince Vaughn, uh, and then you know, on the on the 20th, we'll have uh, the Crudes. Uh, from uh, Universal Pictures, great PG family film that's on the 20th. Free Guy is is December the 11th. Death on the Nile, uh, which is the same yeah. people who brought you Murder on the Orient Express. Um, you know, Gail Gadot is in that film. Wonder Woman herself. Uh-huh. Uh, Nat Benning is in that film. Kenneth Branagh is in that film. Uh, that comes out on December the 18th. Uh, the new movie with uh, Tom Hanks um, called News of the World is out on Christmas Day. And then, of course, you just mentioned Wonder Woman. Uh, so there are good films hitting theaters every Friday. Um, you know, there, there's there's definitely good reasons to go. You just need to follow the procedures that, that make you feel comfortable and, you know, come on out and watch a movie. Yeah, and enjoy it. I mean, nobody's going to be sitting up next to you, so you don't have to worry uh, uh, about that. Now, at your oh, no, theaters, no. I, go ahead. Well, go to the website and just click on our safe and clean guidelines, and we spell out everything that we're doing. We've even got a video posted there, you know, to show you how we're handling uh, social distancing, 
cleaning, staff wearing gloves and face coverings, things like that. It's all on the website there. It's safe and, pr- and clean protocols that were put together by the National Association of Theater Owners. All cinemas are doing it. Um, you know, take a look at the video, read the guidelines, see what we're doing to take care of our customers. Uh, definitely got the cleaning and the social distancing in place. There's good stuff to come out and watch. I mean, it's it's an opportunity to get out and enjoy yourself. Well, November 17th, I, Mel Gibson is back on the big screen again, and I, I can't wait to see this fat man, which is a, a story about Santa Claus. Mel Gibson's playing Santa Claus, and evidently a kid is disappointed about what he got for Christmas and uh, his dad is a really, 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 he's got a gazillion dollars. And the kid uh, talks his dad into taking out a hit on Santa Claus. <laughs> that just sounds like a fun Mel Gibson movie. I mean, see, I like Mel Gibson in The Beaver. You remember that movie right, a few right. years good back. Good independent film. Yeah. He was really, really good in that. And I, this just has got that kind of a Mel Gibson feel to it. And uh, I can't wait to see him back on the big screen again. It's going to be an action comedy. That'll be fun. And, and that's going to be the weekend uh, before we get to Thanksgiving. So that's, that's going to be good as, as, as far as that goes. How do you feel about, I mean, Thanksgiving and Christmas are big days at the movies. Now that you know that Wonder Woman is going to, is going to come out on Christmas Day, uh, you, you're feeling pretty. Uh, you're feeling pretty positive about uh, moviedom as far as uh, those holidays go. Well, I mean, you know, you you've got you've got three you've got three factors there, and 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 you know, two of them we share with every business you know in the world in the United States. Uh, you know, number one, uh, it's the virus. And people have to to feel safe about the virus and feel safe about getting out and and feel safe about going somewhere. Uh, and that's why we've got the safety clean guidelines in place. That's 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 number one. Uh, number two, money. You know, people need money in their pocket. People need money to spend uh, for business to survive. Um, you know, pe- people people need money. Uh, that's part of that economic recovery. So that's got to be in place. And that's for every business on the planet, uh, for sure. And then, uh, of course, for us, the third thing is the product, the, the movie. We've got to have movies on the screen. And as you and I have talked about, uh, fresh new movies to put on the screen. Yeah. And as you and I have talked about, a lot of that has been held up by um, the fact that Los Angeles, uh, California for the most part, and New York have been closed. Um, and those are you know big, huge movie markets, 25% of the domestic box office for the United States. Last Friday... Theaters in the state of New York, not in the New York City, uh, Manhattan, uh, metropolitan statistical area, not there, but in the state of New York, uh, they reopened last Friday. And today, theaters in San Francisco are reopening. Oh, that's good news. uh, That is. That is. Now, um, uh, Los Angeles is still closed at this time. Uh, but um, San Francisco getting reopened today, and then on the 23rd of October they allowed up, up, you know, outside the city of New York to reopen. That is some help uh, getting open and getting those screens out there and, and having those those theaters a chance to to open and play movies. And I think that's going to help Tenant and Honest Thief and War with Grandpa uh, to generate some more box office. We need that. I think Warner Brothers believes, um, speculation on my part, but I think Warner Brothers believes that all theater theaters in the United States will be able to be open by Christmas, 
and I, I think that there's some belief there, and I think you 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 share this belief that things will change after the election, yep. and that uh, there will be more freedom for business once we get past uh, Tuesday or the following Tuesday or whenever they work this thing out, right? Maybe it drags on for a couple of days, maybe it drags on for a couple of weeks, but you would think by Thanksgiving, uh, most places in the United States then would be allowed to be open. Well, I sure hope so, Matt. I do. All right, we got another segment coming up, but we got to get a break in. Let's do that. A break here with Matt Smith, with the uh, the, the I call him my media mogul. Uh, owns the theaters, uh, the the VIP cin- uh, theaters in Hot Springs, in Little Rock, in Cabot, in Searcy, in Batesville, and we'll talk to him further when we come back. Final segment for a Friday with Matt Smith talking movies with him. Again, a couple new movies out this weekend. Come Play, rated PG-13, and then Spell, rated R. Both are consistent with it being Halloween weekend. Both of them are spook fest. So uh, if you want a little spooky movie to go to tonight, uh, that would be uh, those would be good movies to go see uh one that's back on the big screen in all of uh uh you know i mean in cabot there at uh, riverdale 10 down in in hot springs we're looking at anita uh battle angel if you've never seen that on the big screen if all the only time you've seen it has been uh you've seen it on tv on hbo or whatever uh or on netflix wherever you might have watched it go see it on the big screen Robert Rodriguez is one of those directors that has a really good vision for the big screen, and he uses it all up uh, as far as uh, that's concerned. So uh, those are just three movies I can throw out there to you that would be great uh, for you to go out and see this weekend. Of course, Tenet is still at all of Matt's theaters. That is a great movie. I can't speak high enough about it. I've seen it twice now. I may have to, before it gets out of the theaters, go see it a third time. It's just a fun movie uh, to watch. It's a good science fiction movie. I like science fiction. And when you've got present uh, day time and uh, uh, past time and they're going both ways at the same time on the screen, it's really impressive. I mean, I... I just think Christopher Nolan and, and his brother must sit down for hours on end hashing these movies out because they are intense and, and, and impressive what they do. So we've been talking to, to Matt Smith, and, and here's the big thing. You walk into a Matt Smith theater, you're going to smell the popcorn. So get ready. You're going to want popcorn. You're just going to want it. It's something you've got to have. You've got to do. Can people still bring their buckets, or should they leave those at home still, Matt? Yeah, we're still under those restrictions. Now, I'll tell you what we are doing. We have uh, select candies for a dollar. Uh, you can uh, get a free bag of popcorn with a ticket purchase on Wednesday. Um, free bag of popcorn there. Uh, nachos are only $3 right now. We've got a lot of uh, $5 popcorn, a lot of concession specials. Just go to the website, any of the websites, and click on uh, concession specials and see how deeply discounted those items are. You can check those out at any of our websites. Um, well, I'll be you, there uh, this weekend. Just to let you know, I'm coming over. Tell, I'll, I'll be over to see Taylor Lee uh, over there at, uh, at the Cabot VIP Cinema because I'm going to the movies, and when I go to the movies, I stuff my face with popcorn. 
<laughs> what are you going to check out this weekend? Which one are you seeing? Spell or come play or both? I'm going to. Ha- I may go see both of them. Gotcha. I like those movies. You know that. I like that yes, genre yes. movie. So I'll be, I'll be going to see it. Uh, probably Spell holds my attention a little bit more because it's R-rated, which means it's going to be a little hard, a little harder as far as the horror elements are concerned. Now you've seen Honest Thief with Liam Neeson. Oh my lord, that's a great movie. That's just yeah, a okay. fun movie. I just wanted to make sure we were on the same page there. I love that one. I really did. Yeah, it I was really a great did. movie. It was yes, a yes. really, really good movie. And and I like that, you know, Liam Neeson keeps saying, I'm not going to do another action movie. He said that after the third Taken. And what has he done? Oh, he's done The Commuter. He's done a bunch of different movies since then. And they're all action-based. The last one before this one was the one where he was uh, based on a Swedish film where he was up there in the Northland uh, in Sweden and stuff, which was really fun to watch. Cold Pursuit. Yeah, Cold Pursuit. That's a great good. movie. It was a good movie. Really yes, well, yes. really well written. Really well. well I think written. he keeps doing them because people turn up and watch them. He seems to enjoy doing them. He's the star of the thing. They're definitely his vehicle, and yeah. I think that's why he continues to to uh, to do them. And hey, that movie's been number one two weeks in a row at the box office. People have turned out for it. They've enjoyed it. I highly recommend that. And for for families, I recommend um, War with Grandpa PG. Good for kids. Robert De Niro okay. story. Out of time, Matt. Glad to have you on on a Friday. Keep those movies coming, brother. I don't know what I do when uh, there's no movies to go see. Movies are just a big part of my life, and so is the popcorn at the theater. I've tried to replicate it. I can't do it. So i got to come to your place and to get it. You know what I'm saying? Come see us. Hey, check us out on the web, Riverdale10.com. I appreciate it. All right, we'll talk to you later. Matt Smith. Matt, same to you, Matt. Matt Smith here on the Dave Ellswick Show. Those are the movies. Take uh, your significant out, other out to a movie and enjoy it. I'm Dave Ellswick. Be back with you on Monday, 6 a.m., and we'll only be one day away from the election. <laughs>